What's up, everybody? Welcome to Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and our good friends at Byers Automotive. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That's Spencer Holbrook. It has been a, a little bit of time since we were doing any stuff talking about Ohio State recruiting, but as the Buckeyes finished out the 2020 season uh, in the national championship game against Alabama, there wasn't a lot of recruiting stuff happening. We're still in the dead period that will never end. Um, but Spencer, as the season ends, um, recruiting, not necessarily even recruiting news, but recruiting based conversation uh, gets a jolt. And most of that happening right now is about when coaches leave because coaches are are constantly on the move. And uh, every single year, as we know, that affects commitments. It affects what where players are leaning. It affects, you know, a number of things. So we'll dive into it there. Um, you know, right now it's Thursday. We're expecting the Urban Meyer to Jacksonville press conference to happen later today. Um, it seems like this has been a pretty poorly kept secret that Urban was was really interested in getting back to coaching. Um, you know, and I, I think it makes sense for a number of reasons for him to go to the NFL because he doesn't have to recruit. He doesn't have to do a lot of the other stuff that uh, people have been expecting, uh, you know, were part of the reason he wanted to retire. And then the name, image, likeness, the transfers, all that stuff. He won't have to deal with that in college, uh, but, you know, he'll be able to move on to the NFL. So I guess let's just I'll ask you. As a football fan, what do you think Urban Meyer is going to be like as a coach in the NFL? I have a really hard time piecing together thoughts of what I think that will turn out to be. You know, Jacksonville's the number one pick. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence. They have uh, the most cap room, I think, in the NFL. But, like, we're doing some a little bit of a deep NFL dive here. But also, like, I just don't really know because he's such a structure, culture guy. He's not used to having a guy making $21 million in his locker room who says, I don't want to practice on a Wednesday. You know, how's he going to respond to that? If, if the answer is he's okay with that, I think he's going to do great. If the answer is no, we have to practice like Mick has him practice every day in the Woody. I think you're going to run into some issues, but you know, it just, I think it's going to take a year or two to get used to for him. But after that, I think it could be smooth sailing. I think he could work out. I, I'm color me, uh, you know, an optimist when it comes to Urban Meyer. I think he's proven that he deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to coaching, even in the NFL, which we haven't seen him. But I think he's going to do all right. Yeah, I think one of the things that I find interesting is a few, I don't know, I mean, I, time is sort of a, I don't even know if time's like a, a real thing anymore. I don't remember when Ryan Day said this. He said it on the press conference. It could have been three weeks ago. It could have been six months ago. I don't know. He was talking about the NFL and said that in the NFL, everyone's expected to go eight and eight. Like that's, that's, that's the way the league is built. If you go better than eight and eight, it's because things are going really, really well for, for your franchise. And you have to have ownership that is on board with what you're doing. You have to have a general manager that has the same vision you do. And these are all the things where Urban Meyer, I think, is going to run into potential issues because he has always been so in control of things. And I just don't know that he's going to have that option at the next level. Um, you know, and then you have to ask yourself the bigger question is, is who does he bring along to run his staff? Urban's Urban's way has been more of a CEO uh, as opposed to a, a daily football coach. Um, he's been much more about organizing the structure and then letting the structure uh, do the management. And and that's now a, a difference. And the NFL is going to be a lot harder um, in that respect, because as you said, you're dealing with professionals who are being paid a lot of money. If they don't want to practice, they don't practice. If they don't want to play, they don't play. Um, culture in the NFL is not the same as it is in college where kids are, you know, scraping and clawing to get uh, a chance to be successful. Um, 
you know, and, and that's why I think the important thing here is going to be Urban's staff. And that's an area where Buckeyes fans are certainly going to be particularly interested because we tend to, as people, go back to what we know and to people we know when it comes to trying to do something else, right? And Buckeyes fans have every right and reason to sort of be on, you know, pins and needles here in the next few days because Urban did not take the job at Texas because he was concerned, according to people we talked to, about how it could affect his legacy in Columbus and in Ohio. And that legacy doesn't take any less of a hit if he takes people from Ohio State staff and goes to Jacksonville. I mean, it still takes a hit, right? Yeah, I think so. And, like, the thing that I saw in the report was Urban Meyer is looking for head coaching and coordinator experience in the NFL. I'm going to say something that that I believe, but, you know, this is our show, so I guess I can't say it. Ohio State has fantastic coaches. There are only one or two guys on the Ohio State staff I think that would be good NFL coaches. If Urban Meyer and even people in the building, I don't really know if they're set up for the NFL. They've been in college so long. If Urban Meyer takes some of these guys from Ohio State, I think he will fail in Jacksonville. If he takes guys with NFL experience, I think he will succeed. And that's just my personal opinion. But I think there are good reasons for that. I think the guys at Ohio State, whether it's Mick, Pantone, those guys even, not just the coaching staff, those guys are built to you know, control an NFL program. They're not built to to respond to a GM and an owner. They're they're built to run a college program. I think if he takes those guys from Ohio State, I think he will fail in the NFL. Yeah, and then that that's ultimately going to be the question. I think the Buckeyes fans, like I said, will will be um, restless for a few days and seeing what happens. There is an obvious expectation among people that Corey Dennis would be a likely choice to to go to Jacksonville. The, the Meyer family is very close. They like to do things together. Make, there's a lot of reasons it makes sense for Urban to go after Corey and, and bring him on to the NFL staff and maybe give him an opportunity to start really, you know, uh, cutting his teeth in, in, at the, in the coaching industry. But at the same time, if Corey Dennis wants to be a quarterback coach, it might make more sense for him to work with Ryan Day. It may not be a situation where he wants to go work under Urban and be the guy, the one guy that maybe Urban would have the ability to Beat, beat up a little bit, you know, I mean, it, it may, it may not be in his best interest. So I think people are going to be concerned about that. Um, and I think that's reasonable. I think that there's an opportunity for uh, their family to, to make some big decisions together. And that is typically what they've done in the past. Um, the family kind of moves uh, in mass. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think that's the, the big question is, is Urban Meyer, if, if he's going to be successful, as you said, is it capable? Is he capable of being successful by taking a one-year college quarterback coach and putting him on the NFL staff? Does does that take away the complaints about about Myers' staff building at Ohio State? The one that said, "Hey, uh, he's only building the staff with guys he knows." Is is that going to help him build the best possible staff in 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 Jacksonville? And I, I mean, I I guess I don't think it does. But I also understand why people are worried that that may happen. I completely agree with everything you just said. And like, like you said, the one complaint about urban staff at Ohio State was nepotism. And in college, a lot of people get away with nepotism because it's college football and it's kind of a messed up sport in, in general. And yeah, you don't get away with nepotism nearly as easy in the NFL. The NFL media is absolutely ruthless. They will call you out when you lose one game that you shouldn't. 
The NFL coaching tree is ruthless. I know that a lot of guys get recycled, but if you really look at the brass tacks of, of NFL coaching, it's pretty ruthless with guys getting fired all the time. Like if yeah. you mess up one thing, you could get fired in two years and have a two-year career. You know, I think about the Browns. Like I know they were kind of dysfunctional, but they fired coaches after one year. Like if you mess this up, you will be fired. And you will. And if you're Urban Meyer, you might not get another chance because they'll just call you a college coach. So like, well, he, yeah, and he's going to be given an opportunity. Is probably the highest-paid coach in the history of the NFL. And the the return on that investment needs to happen fairly quickly in Jacksonville. Otherwise, it doesn't become um, worthwhile. So, again, is it in Urban Meyer's best interest to take a one-year college coach with him and, and put his future on that? Is it worth taking or asking a guy like Mark Pantone or Mick Marotti to leave Ohio State? Is it worth doing that, knowing that you're going to – very, very severely damage your reputation uh, and and legacy in Ohio. And I, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth that. But, you know, I think we could wax poetic about this for a long time. Urban's going to take that job. It may be already official by the time this comes on the uh, on the Internet. But, you know, I think the the dominoes that could happen here, depending on who goes with Urban, is really the the real concern for Buckeyes fans. And the first one is if Corey Dennis does leave, what does that do to Quinn Ewers who flipped from Texas um, because of the relationship that he had with Corey Dennis? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe that Quinn Ewers or his father are, are sitting there looking at Corey Dennis's resume and saying, Oh, that's the guy that has to be our quarterback coach. I don't think that's the case. I'm sure that, when the rumors really started flying about Urban Meyer getting back into coaching and this uh, happened, whether it was Texas, whether it was Jacksonville, San Diego, anywhere else, I know that Ryan Day is smart enough to understand that there's a possibility that Corey Dennis could be a part of his staff somewhere. And so I'm 100% positive that Ryan Day and the rest of the Buckeyes coaching staff has got a relationship with Quinn Ewers already. It's not like it's been here, Corey, this is just yours. They, they, they don't do that with anyone. They certainly are not going to do that with the top player in the country um, and a quarterback um, where that's Ryan Day's specialty. But obviously, Spencer, this week with the Steve Sarkeesian conversation, uh, him taking over at Texas, and Quinn did you know, tell me last week it does not affect him. It, it does not impact him. Um, but then the national championship game happened, of course. And people are going to freak out because that's what people do. I get it. Like there's not a lot else to do right now. And then they go out and get a commitment from Armani Winfield, a wide receiver that people uh, believe was going to commit to Ohio state in the near future. I did not personally believe that. If, if you go back on Letterman row and read um, my last uh, talking st or uh, dot in the eyes from the day of the national championship game, I wrote a list of receivers that I thought were still very much in the mix for Ohio state. And I didn't include Winfield in it. I don't think that he was as high on Ohio State's board as Ohio State was on his. So it's a big get for Sarkeesian the day after the national championship game to, to get his first commitment on his first day. There's obviously a relationship between Armani Winfield and Quinn Ewers, but there's also a relationship between Caleb Burton and Quinn Ewers. And Caleb Burton came straight out on Twitter and said, I'm not going anywhere. So he, he's saying, I, I'm firmly committed to Ohio State. What for you, I mean, I, I like to get your perspective on these things, Spencer, because, you know, you might see it more of the, in the layman's terms, I guess, when it comes to the recruiting side of things, how realistic do you think it, Buckeyes fans, how, how realistic is the concern do you think for Buckeyes fans? Well, 
uh, I look at it a couple different ways, and there's a couple different avenues that I could take here. Uh, I, I, I think back to the J.K. Dobbins recruitment and what Tom Herman tried to do when he took that job and, and convincing J.K. Dobbins to go to Texas, and, and it didn't work, and look how it turned out for both sides. Um, not saying J.K. Dobbins would have made the difference there. I don't think he would have, but I think that was a real telling. It was really telling of how the Tom Herman era was going to go at Texas when he couldn't bring J.K. Dobbins into the program. Now I look at not the guy who built the machine at Alabama, the guy who just kind of ran the offense that got them to where they wanted to go for one year um, is now going to all of a sudden walk in on Ohio State. I know that it's in Texas, and I know that Texas carries a lot of weight, but does Sarkeesian carry the weight of the Texas High School Association? Does he carry Texas High School? You know, is he a fan of the Campbell's Texas High School magazine? Like, all of this stuff you have to be in to be good at Texas. Like, this is not an Ohio State job. This is the weirdest job in college football. Does he have the connections to pull the strings to get Quinn Ewers on campus, to get him to talk to him, to get him to, to – uh, you know, decommit from Ohio State ultimately and come to Texas. I don't think he does. I don't think he has that, those, uh, the chops in Texas yet to do that. And I think 2022 is a little too early. If he does it a couple cycles, I think 2023 could be then, but Quinn Ewers would already be in an Ohio State uniform by then. I think Ohio State fans have a right to be anxious, nervous about the Quinn Ewers situation because of all the dominoes that are beginning to fall. At the same time, you are Ohio State. You've played in two national championship games since this college football playoffs started. You've played in four college football playoffs. I think four, right? Yeah, four college football playoffs. Texas has not. Texas does not have sustained success. If you look at Ohio State and Texas as programs, they are not on the same level like everybody wants them to be. I'm going to get roasted in the comments if Texas. Oh, they're on the same level monetarily and and resources and that kind of stuff for sure. But on the field, they haven't been in in decades. I mean, sure, Texas has a national championship in the last 15 years. Great. Texas beat Ohio State in 2009. Cool. Uh, But the last decade has been a totally different time. And really, if you look at since 2000, it has not, they have not been the same program at all. You can, there's 25 years of data now that tell you that Ohio State is a better program than Texas. So Ohio State's going to be in recruiting battles with Texas because Texas is fertile recruiting ground. But Ohio State should always have a leg up on Texas, even in Texas with some of these recruitments. And for Quinn Ewers to already have a, a pencil signature at Ohio State, it's obviously not in pen or Sharpie or anything, but for him to already have, uh, you know, some semblance of an idea that, that he wants to be at Ohio State, he wants to build the number one class ever, um, which yeah. I don't think he can do at Texas because not enough guys will buy into Sark. I think this is one of those things where Ohio State fans are going to be sweating until signing day with Quinn Ewers just because he's that special, but it's not, but it's going to end up, I think he's going to end up in the class. I think that there is this unusual and unreal, unnecessary, almost inferiority complex amongst Buckeye fans sometimes, because I think you're right. I think people forget because, you know, maybe you lose 52-24 against Alabama in the National Championship game. Maybe Buckeyes fans don't understand how much higher that program is right now than everyone else in the country, uh, other than Alabama and Clemson, who they're on the same level with. This, This Ohio State program is not your basic middle of the road, big 10 program. And I, I don't know where that inferiority complex comes from for people. Yes. If, if here's the, here's the deal point blank. If Quinn Ewers is interested in decommitting from Ohio state, if Corey Dennis was to walk away from Ohio state and take a job with urban Meyer and Jacksonville, 
it gives it gives Quinn Ewers a wide open door to do that, right? And, it, and it, it, he can step back and say, "Hey, this is the coach I thought I was going to play for. I'm I'm going to take a step back and reevaluate." If that happens, I mean, I'll, I'll take the L and say, "Okay, that's on me." Um, fine, but I just don't see that happening. And it's not a knock on Corey Dennis, but right now, if you look at the Ohio State quarterback room with Justin Fields and CJ Stroud and Jack Miller and Kyle McCord set to enroll on, on campus in two weeks and Quinn Ewers committed. None of those guys are going to Ohio State because they wanted to be coached by Corey Dennis. And that, that, again, that's not a knock on Corey. He's a, he's a really great young coach developing excellent relationships and learning how to be a, a quarterback's coach. And maybe in five years from now, you will have guys that say, hey, I want to go play quarterback for, for Coach Dennis. But right now, those guys are going to Ohio State to play for Ryan Day. And Ryan Day's not going anywhere. And I, I don't think that that's going to change anytime soon. Yeah, sure. The, the Ryan Day offense maybe looked uh, pedestrian on Monday night compared to what we saw out of Steve Sarkeesian's offense. But again, as, as Austin and I talked about on the rapid reaction after the game, that is the quarterback, the Davey O'Brien Award winner, the Doak Walker Award winner, the Bolitnikoff Award winner, the Joe Moore Offensive Line Award winners, the Heisman Trophy winner. This is the best offense in the history of college football. And to just think that that success is going to be easily replicated for Steve Sarkeesian at Texas is silly because Texas doesn't have those players. Now, maybe that's, of course, the recruiting pitch of, of Steve Sarkeesian. Hey, Quinn, I need you to do this. Great. But Mac Jones was a high three-star prospect coming out of high school. You don't need anyone. You need receivers like Devontae Smith. You need receivers like Jalen Waddle. You need a running back like Najee Harris. You, you need an offensive line that's the best in the country. And newsflash, the best offensive linemen in the country from Texas are Tommy Brockemeyer, who's going to Alabama, and Donovan Jackson, who's going to Ohio State. This stuff isn't changing. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson are on a different level. Texas is going to have to win games before the kids in Texas start to start to feel beholden to going to be Longhorns again. And that's not even talking about the fact that Texas A&M might be a top five program in the country right now. And they're way above where Texas is. So it's not like it's just going to be waltz into Texas and take whoever you want. Now, again, I know the value of, of the burnt orange and the I know it. You know, as a kid who grew up in Ohio, I understand what it meant to see the Ohio State logo. I know that Texas has the similar effect on kids. But Quinn Ewers didn't decommit when he did and commit to Ohio State as quickly as he did just because he didn't want to be uncommitted. He wants to be a Buckeye. Now, again, if there's any seed of doubt in there, Spencer, if Corey Dennis leaves, he has every opportunity to, to take a step back and do so with being absolved of any of the guilt that one might feel in a normal decommitment. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. I think uh... – I think if if this all happens, and, and it's so funny because it's all hypothetical, but if it's, it, if Corey Dennis does leave Ohio State and it looks like that could be in the cards, if Urban Meyer, you know, ultimately decides that he wants a one-year college quarterback coach, again, no offense to Corey, coaching Trevor Lawrence at the next level, I, I think that'd be a little bit of a, a gamble. Well, that's but, the thing. Corey, Corey would have to go to the NFL likely as a special teams coach. He wouldn't be going to the NFL as a quarterback's coach, and that's why it's the decision you have to – Urban Meyer, as you just said – is not going to turn over Trevor Lawrence to, to Corey Dennis. He's just not. Nope. If Urban Meyer wants to be successful in the NFL, he has to hire NFL coaches. That's the way it goes. Now, that doesn't mean you, you have to hire someone that 
has spent 40 years in the NFL or someone you've known for your whole life? No, but you need to hire coaches that have the resume to say, hey, I, I'm going to get the most out of this guy. But anyway, yeah. going on. And I, I just like like you said, the, the burn orange carries some cachet in Texas. It, it, it just automatically does by default because of the history there. But like you said, Quinn Ewers committed to Ohio State for a reason. You know, it, it's not just because, hey, that's a good program. I want to play there. Like there's relationships there beyond Corey Dennis. Um, and I think it, it all goes back to Ryan Day. If Ryan Day, something happens to Ryan Day at Ohio State, all bets are off with, with Quinn Ewers. But I think as long as Ryan Day is holding is, – uh, you know, wearing the whistle in the Woody, I think you have a good chance with Quinn yours. Yeah, I agree. And that perfectly segues into what I want to talk about next, which is uh, Will Johnson, uh, the cornerback from Gross Point South in Michigan, who has in the last few weeks sort of been trending in the Ohio State direction. And that is why on, you know, Wednesday of this week, you saw a handful of Michigan recruiting websites and Michigan recruiting writers making sure that they retweeted the report that the Philadelphia Eagles are interested in Ryan Day, period. Okay. The, 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 the way that people do this uh, is quite comical to me, actually. But so there's a report saying Ryan Day is a target of the Philadelphia Eagles, which is not a surprise. Ryan Day is going to be a target of every coach search for the next 10 oh, to 15 years. Go ahead. Hold on. Before I, before I, the Philadelphia Eagles, the same uh, organization and the same owner who fired Ryan Day, did not retain him when they fired Chip Kelly and just told him to get out. Um, I would just just make sure that you know that the owner didn't, in fact, not keep Ryan Day, did not extend him, did not retain him. He actually fired him with Chip Kelly. So go ahead. Right. So I mean, here, that's I mean, that not that point notwithstanding, every coaching search in the next ten years is going to include. Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley in those, they are always going to be interested in those coaches. That is, he's 42 years old. He's coaching at Ohio State. He's proven that he's one of the foremost connectors with people, also talent evaluators, also offensive play callers, all the other things that you can say. Now, Michigan sites want to make sure they recruit or, or retweet that sort of information because they're trying to get a message out there after year, after year, after year of Jim Harbaugh trying to leave Michigan that, Hey, oh, it, it can also happen anywhere else. And, and that's being done purposefully. Mike Zordich, the defensive backs coach at Michigan is out. That's going to really negatively impact the recruitment of Will Johnson, who this weekend is visiting USC. And then a decision is expected to be made within the next week or two from Will Johnson. So now I think right now, Prior to the USC trip, I think that Ohio State would be the, the, the choice for Will Johnson. Um, but Damani Jackson is some sort of expected to commit to USC in the next week. Um, and obviously, Damani Jackson will probably be at USC or visiting with Will Johnson this weekend. Of course, again, we're still in the pandemic. They, they can't visit with coaches. They can't go into facilities, blah, blah, blah. They're, obviously, teams are working their way around that in one way or another. Um, so I think this comes down with Will Johnson to a matter of, it seems like he's understanding that going away from Michigan right now is probably his best option, right? Seems to be the case. So the question is, is the package deal stuff with Damani more important to him or is staying closer to home and going to Ohio state and maybe causing a little bit more 
strife for his family, who is, you know, father played at Michigan, is that is the weight of staying home, you know, enough to, to do that. So something to watch for, I don't want to dive too far into the, that recruitment, but I think it's pretty clear that Michigan needs to a um, hire a grand slam type defensive backs coach, uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, they, I mean, they hired the defense coordinator the guy who was working with Jim Harbaugh's brother at Michigan at Baltimore. Um, and now you have to go out and find a defensive backs coach to, to recruit Will Johnson when he's had a relationship with Zordich for a while. The Buckeyes obviously have a commitment from Jaheim Singletary, a five-star corner, and Jair Brown. They kind of have an idea of, you know, Will Johnson as another six-foot-two, six-foot-three corner would be the perfect complement to Singletary. Kerry Combs has been all over that recruitment uh, in the last few months. I think, again, if I had to say today, I would pick Ohio State. But that visit to USC is going to be interesting because there is a part of me, and again, I know I get – I'm negative. I'm, I'm, I'm the negative guy, but like, I think that the decision comes down to, is it less drama for his family? If he was to say, I'm going to go all the way out to the West coast and as, or as opposed to saying, Hey, I'm going to go play at the biggest rival in the team that you guys are trying to be like. Um, so that's where I see that going. I think that's the, that's the discussion in the next week. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think the USC thing makes sense. I also think that it actually helps them, USC, to not have Clay Hilton recruiting for them right now and to just have these guys go to Southern California and see the campus right, and say, right. I want to play you, there. You get Corey Foreman over there. You get Damani Jackson. You have the possibility of Rajon Davis. You have, you know, USC is quietly rebuilding something pretty special uh, talent-wise. Now, again, are they able to be coached well enough to put it all together? That's will be the big question moving forward. But um, they certainly have some interesting things happening there. And if that idea of Damani and, and Will wanting to be a package deal is so real that he's willing to, to go all the way across the country, more power to him. But I think that's the debate coming. Um, last thing, Spencer, because this is getting long. Um, Sean Murphy dropped his top eight, the linebacker from Virginia. Obviously, Ohio State's in that the group. Uh, he is a teammate of Tyleek Williams, Ohio State early enrollee in 2021 signee. Um, at uh, Union Reed High School in Manassas. It was a time when I, I think Buckeyes fans expected Sean Murphy to really be in this class of 2022 based on his relationships with C.J. Hicks. Um, but that was before Gabe Powers committed. That was before Deshaun McCullough committed. And I just don't know if right now the Buckeyes are in a position where they would even say 100% absolutely come on board, Sean. Maybe they would. I know they want another interior linebacker in that class, but I think there's a lot of discussions that have to be had before they're willing to take that fourth and final linebacker in the class. Yeah, I think uh, you're exactly right because, you know, um, we're, they're going to have guys back on campus. Uh, that's going to happen at some point before this class signs. And I think you need to keep your options open and hope that in April is when you can start to get guys on campus because, you know, you might be able to get guys on campus that you like and they like you. And and it's a name that we haven't talked about yet because there haven't been visits. That's yeah. just the way the 2022 cycle has gone so far. It's the way almost the entire 2021 cycle went because of the dead period. I think the Buckeyes would be smarter to wait it out, wait for the dead period. And I think it will end in April. And I think that's when you could start to see the recruit really heat up and guys, uh, you know, different linebacker names we haven't really talked about uh, from around the country start to heat up. 
Yeah, not even just linebacker names, everyone. I mean, there, there's been no evaluation for the last year plus. And whenever these kids are allowed back on campuses, hopefully April 15th will be the final dead period day for a number of months. Um, you're going to see a, a influx of people getting to campus and camps and all these things happening where you're going to get an opportunity to see kids in person for the first time in over a year. And I think that there's going to be a lot of things that change on recruiting boards all over the country come May and June when players are actually able to be seen and, and uh, you know, looked at in person. But uh, anyway, Sean Murphy is a guy that the Buckeyes like. They really love his personality. He's got family in, in Northeast Ohio. He's a kid that fits the class very well. But he's in no hurry to decide, and I think that's a good thing for Ohio State because at this point, you've got 10 commitments, and you got to ask yourself, how many more are you willing to take before seeing anybody in person? So um, that's, I think, where we're going to wrap up this episode. Spencer, uh, unless you got anything else. No, I just think those, those 10 are important, but also – you know, you've got other positions other than linebacker that need soothed out probably a little bit before you take that fourth linebacker as well. Yep. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Rill and Myers Automotive. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That's Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching, folks. Please uh, rate, review, subscribe, leave questions for us on the, uh, you know, the podcast reviews. That's basically the best spot to get us. Um, and, you know, we'll make sure we, we get to your questions uh, next week's episode of talking stuff and uh that's it so thanks for watching see you bye